Rod, do you do you hear that? No. Exactly. We don't have intro music for our podcast. Literally the sound of silence. Not the song. Sound. Yeah. Just silence. We just break right into the podcast. We don't have any intro music. Raw podcast in your ear. No intro music. It's something that Brian and I have spoken about. Obviously, we've talked about this shit. We're we're uh, going back and forth if we're going to add or if we're not going to add intro music. Yeah, I would. I would. I'd like to say that it's just a complete creative choice not to have intro music, but that's not, not the, the case. case. No, we just never got around to even thinking about it when we started this. It was another one of the. Uh, and you and I are not musical. No, not we're at not all. Trying to get sued either, so we have no idea. How yeah, I, I have been. I've been looking up, looking at music, <laughs> trying to think of uh, maybe like a little ditty to steal off the interwebs, but I don't know. I've also been working with my son, my uh, Jack. Uh, he's a nine-year-old non-piano prodigy, I guess is what you'd call it. He, he just plays the piano. He just plays that. the piano. He's working on Jingle Bells, so maybe we'll have Jingle Bells for the intro one day. But um, he's been messing around with some tunes. I don't know if anything's going to come of it. Maybe go. we'll never have intro music. Maybe it'll just you, you'll just start with the sound of my lovely... Vomit-inducing voice. Exactly. We, we'll see. We'll figure it out. As I said, you know, we've talked about this in the past. This is a creative experience that we're learning as we're working on. So we'll figure it out. Yeah. We may or we may not do it. You'll you'll be the first to know. Yeah, yeah. So when when you hit play, you may hear like. Hopefully not. <laughs> we should at least let's back on the track here. This is the it, alternative history. Podcast. It's going to be a real jazzy, like like Seinfeld intro. Maybe, but probably not. Again, the alternative history podcast. I am Rodrigo. This is Brian. Yes. At the alternative history podcast, we present you with a topic. We determine whether or not that topic merits a different result, a different perception, and alternative history. Last week we talked about. Turkeys. turkeys. So, thanks with Thanksgiving, um, I'm assuming a turkey was presented at your Thanksgiving lunch, dinner, whatever you had. Did you Did you cave? I totally caved. I'm I'm more I'm better at telling people what to do than actually do what I say. Yeah. Sure. Well, I, well, you were okay with eating turkey on Thanksgiving, but I suggested you, maybe you not do it at yeah. some point in the next two or three years. So I have a couple years. I said you didn't have to, and I ate turkey. You totally ate turkey. Like I just I there seems to be a peer pressure involved with it. Where it's like, especially when the, like, it's not normal that you, like, if you go out to eat, uh, you don't eat in front of the chef, right? Correct. When you're you're eating and someone's hard work is there and if you don't eat the turkey, like, that's like the main thing that they did all day. You have a good point. It's been prepared for many days even. It's not like, it's not like I'd be like, I just did a podcast on it and I'm not eating it. (laughs) They're like, they're like, what? First, they would say, "What the fuck is a podcast?" and eat that turkey. It's like the lamest shit I ever heard in my life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I did eat it. I couldn't eat too much because I just had some dental work done. So I was I ate. I ate a little bit. It was good. Okay. I enjoyed it. But like I said, um, maybe I'll do duck next year. Perhaps but anyhow, we'll see. so and then what did you guys do? I hope you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Did you guys give it up for one year or not? Let us know. You can yeah. always reach out to us at Twitter. You can reach out to us at Facebook. You can reach out to us. Uh, through email. Yeah, we're at uh, Alternative History Podcast at gmail.com through email. Uh, Facebook, we're Alternative History. And on Twitter, we're at Alt History PC. We are also on Google Play and we are also on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, we ask if you're on iTunes, please comment, please subscribe. If you are on Google Play, please follow. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
So this week's topic. Yeah, this week's topic. Uh, so we're we're Packer fans, right? So full disclosure, we're from Milwaukee, Everybody River West neighborhood. We talked Milwaukee. About this. We're Packer fans. And Not only we're Packer fans, we're Brewer fans. Yeah, I'm from Brazil, so obviously I'm a Brazil fan. You could accuse us of being homers. Yeah, if you were to definitely. listen to some of this podcast. Yeah. I don't. We're gonna we're gonna break that today. Thank you. Though. I don't. I mean, we might be homers, but we're not exactly trying to be homers. Sometimes. So this yeah. time we're gonna explore what you could even argue an arch enemy like team, if you will. Yeah, not the number one, but a close a second one of them for sure yeah. up there. Yeah. Exactly. Recently, a close second. But so we're talking about the 1998 Minnesota Vikings. The team went 15 and one, and I am of the opinion that they should have won the Super Bowl that year. So I will simply propose the thesis that the Minnesota Vikings should have, at the very least, at the very least, been the NFC representative in the Super Bowl that year. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll go over it. We'll talk mm-hmm. about it. Uh, maybe they'll win the Super Bowl. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's an alternative so history. yeah, so. Uh, the year was 1998. It was a good year. Close your eyes. So, you can go back. <laughs> so let's. Uh, like what we like to do is when we, we when we when we go back to a specific year, we like to just kind of talk about what was going on in that year a little bit. Um, in terms of movies, movies music. Mu- pop culture stuff exactly. mainly. A little bit of news, but we're not. Like, we're not really you know newscasters. Newscast, yeah, exactly. So we'll just we'll just give you the the, the broad strokes here. So, movies, 1998. The top grossing movies were uh, Saving Private Ryan. Fantastic. Armageddon. There's Something About Mary. The movie was really funny when I saw it. Uh, A Bug's Life. I I don't think I've ever seen it. I didn't see it then, and we haven't revisited it yet with the children, so maybe I'll get to it one day, but uh, we haven't to yet. The Water Boy. So, this is a movie that we we saw together when we were going to school in lacrosse. At the theater, uh, the the Rivoli, right? Rivoli the theater. theater. So before you even go there, well, yeah, we went to lacrosse. I went to lacrosse for four years. You went there for a year. Yeah. Note that lacrosse is on the western border of Wisconsin, right on the border with Minnesota. Yeah, a lot of Minnesota Vikings fans when we were up there. So, well, a lot, of, a lot of good friends we made up there were from, we're from Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. And so this nineteen ninety eight team was exactly when we were there, or right before you were there, when I was there. Yeah. But yes, when we were there. The Rivoli Theater was the first theater that I had encountered that had beer, that had food, that had like recliner type chairs. It wasn't like recliner, but it was like old love seat type chairs. It was a very fun experience, and I saw Saving Private Ryan there many times. Yeah. And we saw we the saw Water the Waterboy, and and like you said, there was beer there, and uh, <laughs> we were not sober in any way, shape, or form when uh, when we saw the when we saw the Waterboy. And there was a, an older lady, it's like she was sitting like right in the front row, and she was laughing so goddamn hard that she really enjoyed the movie. She enjoyed like, and it wasn't just like a ha 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 ha. ha. She was guffawing. Yeah, yeah she it was, was like, like, like it it was carrying through the whole theater. She was laughing so hard, I think she was levitating out of her seat. <laughs> it's it, it looked <laughs> like it, she was, like she yeah. was constantly moving. She was definitely and. I, I, at one point, I stopped. I missed like a good like thirty minutes of the middle of the movie because I stopped watching the movie and I just kept Watch watching her because she was because she was funnier than the movie. Yeah, I remember she that. was dying. Was yeah, like she like loves her some Adam Sandler. The water boy was very funny. So indeed. yeah, the water. I I don't. I mean, I personally, I I'm, there's parts of it I have to see yet. So the jury's out for me. 
But that lady in the front row was funny as hell. All right, Waterboy, uh, Dr. Doolittle, Rush Hour, Deep Impact, Godzilla, and Patch Adams, uh, a movie that we referred to in the Clowns episode. Yeah, a movie about a clown doctor. Yes, clown yeah. doctor. A, uh, a, a caring clown, exactly. as, as I mentioned. So other, other uh, movies, Lethal Weapon 4, The Truman Show, Shakespeare in Love, which, which stole the best picture from Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> and maybe it's something that we'll have to Perhaps rectify later, one day yeah, down the line. Blade, Star Trek Insurrection, a movie that I thought I had fallen asleep in, but they're so similar that it was. What'd you say the movie was that I fell asleep in? A couple years later, Star Trek. And then All right. it was probably the same fucking movie. It's right? not the same yeah. movie. Insurrection anyway. was all right, by the way. Let me guess. They were in space and they were like exploring uncharted territory. Yes. All right. All right. So, so then I fell asleep yes, yes. during that movie too. Life is beautiful. Uh, meet Joe Black. That movie's actually really good. Ugh. You don't like that? No. I'm surprised. Not I, I like a lot of Brad Pitt's movies, but that one was boring as hell. He just, Anthony Hopkins was very good. Anthony Hopkins was good, but Brad Pitt just like just stood there. Like that's <laughs> all. He, like that's he just stood he there and, and like yeah. That movie's good. Whatever. Yeah. Fair enough. I guess. I mean, maybe that's what you, you also like Troy, and I didn't. So you know what I'm saying? That's a yeah. different situation. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about Troy another time. That's not. Let's not go down to Troy. That's we're fine. Go, we're about to go down another <laughs> rabbit hole soon when we get to the music. That <laughs> I would not stay focused. My fault. Let's stay focused. Yeah. My fault. Okay. So Practical Magic, Ronin, The Thin Red Line. Ronin's fantastic. Yeah, movie. it is a good movie. Um, the Thin Red Line, that's uh, Terrence Malick. Yep. A great movie. I never saw it, actually. Can't Hardly Wait. Fantastic movie. I didn't think it was fantastic, but I think it's a good movie. But I also I, we've also talked about this in the Guns N' Roses episode. That was one of the first times that an, a Guns N' Roses song appeared in a soundtrack. Since, like, Knock on Heaven's Door appeared a long time ago. Rounders, He Got Game. Very good movie, I think. Ray Allen. Yep. Milwaukee at the time. Yeah. Or on the Bucks at the time. Exactly. And the big Lebowski, which is fantastic. Yeah. It's one of the best so I mean, ever. I don't, yeah. we, you don't need to say much. You either you either absolutely love it or you've never heard of it. Exactly. Some '98 movies were kind of weird. You had some some good yeah, stuff that came of, out there, but some stuff that a lot of man, yeah. Like, I don't, I'm hes- hesitant to say garbage, but a lot of like just mediocre like, what movies. Like, what do you say like like like? Fifty-seven percent booty rating. You know what I mean? Like you had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, good... if I went down down the down that path, uh, I mean, I, I would it, say, it yeah. There's right. a lot of lot. There's a lot. A lot of these movies are like dangerously close to being booty on the booty rating. I, I, I booty, like not booty scale. So what do you got on TV? This year in the, in TV, the we got ER. Surprisingly, I love that Friends, Frasier, uh, Monday Night Football. So Ron- NBC had the top three shows. Is what you're saying? And that's an idea. ER, Friends, and Frasier, were those all on nope, NBC? Yep. Okay. Monday Night Football, Veronica's Closet, Jesse, 60 Minutes, Touched by an Angel, the CBS Sunday Movie. It doesn't say which one in particular. It just means that every Sunday night, that was what was. Yeah, okay. Yes. I didn't really watch much TV back then. Right. Home Improvement. I didn't really. I didn't watch that show. I'm not a Tim Allen no. guy. So. <clears throat> Other shows of note, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. The Drew Carey Show. I that was. I thought that was a, a good show. So, I watched. Well, you, like you know how I feel about sitcoms. I only watch them if they go into syndication because I can't. I don't. I don't have time for that shit otherwise. I understand. I watched that show, The Drew Carey Show, a lot in syndication. Yep. Uh, Law and Order in its like eighty seventh year, I yes, believe, in, in that season. Ally McBeal, Spin City, Dharma and Greg, Walker, Texas Ranger with the Chuck Norris. Chuck he does Norris. not do push ups. He just pushes the earth. He, down. Yeah, he pushes the earth down. <laughs> yes. 
the Larry Sanders Show and Sex in the City. Those are HBO shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will and Grace. That 70s show and Family Guy debuted that season. I believe that they were on Fox. Yep. Yep, yep. And one of my favorite shows of all time, the Mr. Show with Bob and David uh, on HBO. It was its last season. It I think it's a good show, but you, show. you hold it in much higher regard than I yes, do. Yes, yes. That's a good show for sure. So, like I mentioned, a rabbit hole that we need to get down. Music. Top singles. So I'll, I'll go through the singles and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Just, we, just, we have to. Yeah, sure. Top singles. Too too close by next. I have no idea. Do you remember that song? No okay. idea. No, no the boy is mine by Brandy and Monica. You remember that song? I do remember that song very well, and your hand remembers that yes. song. And we'll get to the reason why in a minute. Yes. Uh, that sounds really weird, but we'll get there. You're still the one by Shania Twain. Okay. Is that a cover of like an old '70s song? Uh, You're still the I one? don't remember. It sounds okay. like it is, but, know, but maybe. it probably was. Truly, Madly, Deeply by Savage Garden, which is, from what I from what I remember, is like, just like your quintessential 90s like, like ballad rock song. I don't remember either. Uh, I don't know. But How Do I Live by Leanne Rimes. Okay. I was still listening to a lot of Guns N' Roses at this time, obviously. Yeah, I, I, was, I don't recall a lot of this so, music at all. Yeah, like I was listening to a lot of rock, a lot of metal. I know Marilyn Manson was one of my, my favorite bands at this time. So so that brings us to the what, what I like to refer to as the Boy Is Mine incident. So we're driving down Capitol Drive, cruising down Capitol Drive. and One of the main thoroughfares here in Milwaukee. I was driving, and you were handling the radio. Yeah, yeah, and, and this song came and on, and the boy's mind comes on, and I, I, I go I ref- change the channel. I go to change yeah, it. You have your hand on the the change the change, and this was back when you had to like use your fingers to and scan. touch, yeah, yeah exactly, and touch the the radio. Um, and I slapped your hand, and I like looked instinctively. At- I didn't, I didn't want to do it. It just happened. And I looked at you, and I looked at my hand. There was like, and I looked at you, four blocks of silence. And I looked at my hand, <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I was like this. Motherfucker just smacked my hand <laughs> for some brandy and Monica in my yeah. brain, and then like as you said, four blocks down, I'm like, like the fact that you hit my hands one thing, but you actually like this song. Like I can't really <laughs> believe it, and like I, I don't, I don't, I don't recall this, but I'm pretty sure I probably turned it up after like, I, after I after I outed myself as yes. a as a uh, as a diehard the boy is mine fan i love that song That's it's a really good song and i don't I, I actually will, now i don't actually hate i'll the take song. it to my it's, i'll it's take that bad. it's not bad but i just couldn't believe you smacked my hand for that song yeah i mean like i said it was it was muscle memory like it was it wasn't even muscle memory it was like an instinctual thing like it was like when you protect your young yes, you know i understand i got you i, I just i, go that I far just did it this. hey i got you all right so and then in the year of sports in 1998 so yeah. to start the year off and we'll come back to this later also uh, the Broncos beat the Packers 31-24 in Super Bowl 32. Uh, Brazil lost to a Zidane captain France 3-0 in the World Cup in France in 1998. Ironically, that summer, Real Madrid beat Juventus in the Champions League. I really only bring this up because Zidane was on Juventus when they lost. Mm-hmm. And going into that next World Cup, he is transferred to Real, to Real Madrid and wins the Champions League at Real Madrid. So he had a pretty good four-year stretch. Nice. Uh, the Brewers move to the National League in 1998. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The Yankees sweep the Padres. And what was iconic for both of us, something we cared about at this time, and still we care about it now even, um, Michael Jordan's Bulls uh, beat the Jazz 4-2 to uh, to complete the second three-peat of the era. 
And ironically enough, on July 1st of that summer, the, the NBA locked out its players, yeah. leading to a strike shortened. Or a and then shortened uh, Jordan season. retired after that, Exactly, right? yeah. and it was over. Yeah. News, I didn't really do too much research on it. There was pretty much just one main story that dominated 1998 news-wise. Uh, it was the Bill the Clinton, Clinton impeachment, right? yeah. impeachment and hash slash the Monica Mark Lewinsky Lewinsky's. scandal, yep. whatever you want to call it. So he was actually impeached by Congress, I believe it was, on December 19th. Um, three days before that, uh, he ordered a airstrike on Iraq, actually. Mm-hmm. McGuire and Sosa had their home run race in Summer 1998. Yeah. I, that, it kind of brought everyone back to baseball on a false pretense. So that when you look back at it now, <laughs> like yes. These insanely puffed up humanoids. Like, oh, there's nothing wrong no, with no, that. No. Hey, they're not unnatural well, about what they're doing. And we talked about this also during, I think it was a Mazda Called Life episode, where in 94, um, the MLB strike, and that kind of like killed baseball. Yeah. Baseball was kind of in trouble for several years. Exactly. 98, this home run. This is what kind of brought, brought it back, back into exactly. like it's, and it, it brought people back, but it also kind of darkened the game a of little course, bit. Because, because of the, 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 there was the specter of... Of steroids over it, and I didn't want to believe it. I like, I loved Sammy Sosa. I knew that shit was steroids back then because it was so stupid. People were talking about like the ball was juiced. Remember that? Or it was just like the dumbest shit in the world as to why people were hitting home runs when all these dudes were all of a sudden enormous. But whatever. I think what probably solidified it in my brain, I didn't want to admit it, was when I think it was the the sixty second home run that McGuire hit. It was basically like a line drive, a line like just drive. Just over the left yeah. field line. Yeah, it was like no no human can do that. No, it, that was like it was insane that, that how he hit the ball. It was it was flat almost the entire way. So and it was like oh great that wasn't like that that was. That would have been a single in in 1984. Exactly. So that summer of 1998 yeah. is what brought people back, and as I say, the year ended with the Yankees. And uh, her, uh, you're going to have to help me with. Uh, is it Hurricane George's? George's? I think it's just George's. Yeah, that that hit and destroyed a good chunk of the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico in September. So that was 1998. 1998, a so-so year, huh? Yeah, well, that was a good year. It was a good year. It was always okay. a good year for if you're alive. Yeah, exactly. So All let's right. break into the Vikings, shall we? Yes. So the Vikings franchise, they were awarded a franchise in Minnesota in 1960. They began play in 1961, and in that draft, they drafted uh, Fran Tarkenton, who's probably their best player and one of the one of the better QBs to ever play the NFL. And I found some interesting information. So he was one of the, the first QBs that scrambled. And so and, for our listeners that don't really watch sports or care about sports, a scrambling quarterback is basically a guy that stands does not stand in what they call the pocket, throws a ball. Yeah, he after moves around. Yeah, after they after the they after they hike, he he will not just stand there like a statue. Like it, it, when you think of a statuesque quarterback, you think of Dan Marino. Things like that. Yeah, and so, there's weird dichotomy in the NFL because there's a lot of prominence given to quarterbacks that stay in the pocket. Yeah, they, apparently, apparently, staying in the pocket. Yeah, you get more control of whatever. But yeah, or, or they give you like they like. I don't, I'm trying to think of a. A better and more eloquent way to put it, but like you get more points on your man card if you stay in the pocket, whatever. And but it makes no sense. So, as Fran, football progresses, we learn that scrambling yeah. actually you can throw outside the pocket, and Fran Tarkin ends up being one Fran of Fran Tarkin is he's scrambling. like the innovator of it. And he, he said, uh, there was an unwritten rule back when he was quarterbacking that quarterbacks stayed in the pocket because linemen were kind of out of shape. 
and didn't want to have to chase. Didn't want to have to chase you. They just thought it was more sporting to stay in the pocket, which is stupid, right? Like, no, like if you have the athletic ability to run away from these, like, like six five, three hundred pound men, you should run away from that are by all means probably genetic freaks because if you're that big and can run that fast yes and like who are trying to hurt you and yeah stop you. yeah exactly. they, they want to kill you basically yeah, exactly and even ba- like back then in the 60s like they they weren't fucking around they, they hit they, you it they, was not protected yeah, like they are now they weren't throwing flags exactly. for sure so he he broke that standard the vikings they lost four super bowls mm-hmm. prior to the 1998 season so yeah. they lost super bowl four Eight, nine, and eleven, and Fran Tarkenton was the quarterback for the last three, like eight, nine, and eleven. He was the starting quarterback. They had him as a quarterback, and they had a very good defense. I believe their defense was known as the Purple People. Purple Eaters. People Eaters. They, yep. were, they were legendary defense. Yeah. Actually. So a weird piece of trivia about the Vikings and Fran Tarkenton: they both traded Fran Tarkenton. They traded him in 1967 to the New York Giants, and then they apparently were like. Mm, back. Let's get let's take, uh, but they they actually went to a Super Bowl without him after they traded him, okay, and then they were like, "Well, let's just uh, let's take him back." Let's bring him and back. then they went to three more, wow. which is weird because they traded him in '67, and then traded for him from the New York. He they traded they got him back from the New York Giants That's in silly. 1972, and then he let him let him in the defense. Of course, they had a really strong defense. So, and then there is the infamous Herschel Walker trade. Yep. Where essentially the Dallas Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson fleeced the the Minnesota Vikings um, for draft picks at, for Herschel Walker. So there's a really great 30 for 30 short on ESPN called the, the Great Trade Robbery, where it's basically like it is what the title is. So they a real quick gist of it is they traded the farm for Herschel Walker essentially yeah so they they traded all these players they they essentially didn't know they were trading the farm they traded all these players but apparently in the trade agreement all the players for going from the Vikings to Dallas for Herschel Walker all those players had draft picks assigned to them if they didn't make the uh, the roster for the Cowboys and so so Jimmy Johnson just and so for our again non sports fans Herschel Walker was a former Heisman Trophy winning running back for Georgia. He was with the Dallas Cowboys and essentially turning into a star to slash superstar level player. And so when they, the trade occurred, it was, how many, you said it was several players for Herschel Walker. Yeah, it was several players. There were some picks involved, but there, it was it was more players than picks. And then every player from assigned. the Vikings had a, had a draft pick assigned to them if they didn't make the team. So Jimmy Johnson just cut them all, and, that, so they and just got like a whole picks. boatload of picks. They got all these picks that pretty much became the core of the Dallas Cowboys, and that led to led, led to three NFL championships. Exactly. So, so yeah, so going from there, kind of they they had some up and down seasons, and it kind of leads us to the uh, 1998, 1998 season. season. And so, as Packer fans, like we were homers, the year the Packers won the Super Bowl that uh, 96 season mm-hmm. leading to the 97 championship, the Minnesota Vikings were one of the three teams that beat the Packers. We lost, the Packers lost the Vikings, they lost okay. the Chiefs, and they lost the Dallas Cowboys. So this Vikings team had been developing into a good squad over the course of the same time that the Packers were ascending. We were just a little bit ahead of them, and in 1998, they essentially 
finally caught us. Well, the big, the yeah, the biggest difference was probably we had a, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, I mean, and and a, and Reggie White. He of course, pretty yeah. much changed the exactly. landscape in Green Bay. But, but Minnesota. Is, anyhow, we're here to talk about Minnesota. Exactly, it shifted. Yep. Like I said, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, uh, it started with the draft, right? Nineteen ninety eight. Randy Moss. Minnesota drafted Randy Moss. He was a top-rated, amazing wide receiver. Yeah. I so, that he broke 25 NCAA receiving records while at the University of Marshall. Yeah, and he was – so he was originally supposed to go to Notre Dame, but he apparently got in some kind of – Legal trouble. Racial-based altercation at, in, in high school. And I don't want to get into, like, all, you know, the minutia of, of what happened, but – he actually he got he he got like th- a charge of thirty days. He had to serve thirty days in jail that he was going to serve after his first year in college. So he he had a scholarship to Notre Dame. He got it t- taken away, and they recommended that he go to Florida State because they apparently Bobby Bowden Bobby Bowden had coach Florida State. Yep, coach Florida State had a good track record with troubled kids. Okay, why why they thought he was troubled after this one incident? I don't know, but it was Notre Dame. So they they sent him to Florida State. He had to redshirt a year because he was considered a transfer because he had signed a letter of intent with Notre Dame. Interesting. Yeah. So he sat out the entire year, first year at Florida State. That summer, he was serving the rest of his 30-day sentence. While he was doing that, he got busted for marijuana. Mm. And that's what kind of, I think, got him kicked out of Florida Florida State. State. And, And from what I understand, there may have been another arrest in there, whatever. Sounds like it was just kind of innocuous things to me but whatever so he ended up at marshall where he basically lit the world on fire so it didn't i mean it was a long path for him but he he essentially got to the perfect situation he ended up going 21st in the draft 21st yep he uh, fell fell yeah yeah and uh chris carter's hall of fame receiver was on the minnesota vikings along with dennis green they said that uh, they were having phone calls as the draft was happening. Then yeah. he was calling, and he's like, he's going to fall to us. Chris like, it's impossible. There's no way he's going to fall to yeah. us. And sure enough, he fell to him. And uh, they basically, at this conversation, as they were having this phone call, or as they were having these talks, you know, Dennis Green essentially asks Chris Carter, are you ready to help this man become a professional player? Like, be, be ready to be a pro. Like, sure. I think he's just a young man who got some trouble. I think he'll be fine. Like, I don't, I don't think we should not draft him or not play with him because of his history. Yeah. He'll be good with us. So Chris Carter's like, well, let's do it. Uh, and basically, the first thing that Chris Carter remembers about talking with Randy Moss is that Randy Moss said he wanted to rip the league up. Rip the league apart. And yep. there's there's other interviews where he says something similar. Where he's like, I'm going to tear the league apart. Like, yeah. That was his yeah. thing. And he did. And so essentially, <laughs> yeah, they said that essentially after the draft, Chris Carter invites Randy Moss uh, to work out uh, in the offseason in Florida. And uh, after the workouts, Chris Carter calls Dennis Green and tells him that Randy Moss is the greatest athlete Chris Carter's ever seen. Yeah, and and a little background on Chris Carter, how he came to the the Vikings. He was on. Uh, he was. He started out with the Philadelphia Eagles. He went and, to the University of Ohio State. Okay, Ohio State. And he was a star there. Yeah. Remember that? He was a big, yeah. big, he was a big receiver there. And he goes to Philadelphia. And yep, Philadelphia. He uh, the year he scores eleven touchdowns, which I believe was third highest in the league that year. He gets cut. Yep. Basically, Leading from up to that point, he'd been turning into an alcoholic, 
Yeah, drug addict. There may have been some called. attitude issues and yep. some substance abuse, abuse issues. issues. Yep. He's, yeah, I mean, he's so. even. I think I've heard him say that he was an alcoholic or something like yeah. that in the past. Like and he he said that it was the lowest point of his of his professional career because every he always had a team to identify with yep. since he was a kid, now and now he had nobody. Exactly. And the Viking after he got cut by the Eagles, the Vikings picked him up. Apparently, whatever transaction they did to pick him up, they only had to pay a hundred dollars. So they got Chris Hall of Famer. For a hundred dollars, that's insane. And he, had, as I say, turned himself around and, and dedicated turned himself it, to be a professional. Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of the like, I have distinct memories of watching him catch one-handed passes from just tons of mediocre quarterbacks. Uh, his his famous saying remember is that all he does is catch touchdowns. All yeah. he does is catch touchdowns. Yeah. That's what he is. Like he was he was a touchdown machine. I have it here. Awesome player. I think one second he had something like a hundred and. 30 touchdowns and 1,100 catches in his career. So he's a very good, yeah. he's very good, a uh, very good receiver. Yeah, but he was known for not being the most, I guess, open teammate. Or the best teammate. He bitched people out. Like he would, he would, the, he would the get documentary that I listened to this documentary on, on the uh, 98 Vikings, and he basically said he hated team sports because he had to rely on the other guys to yeah, win. Makes sense. And he, he he wanted to he wanted to do he wanted everyone to be performing up to his level and he basically he demanded excellence. He kind of kind of seemed to have a, like a Michael Jordan uh, mentality. Him, yep. Yeah, I agree. So and so the 1998 season starts. Yep. Right. Oh, one more thing I want to about. Actually, uh, this was interesting. I read that that the 1998 Red McCombs purchased the team. Yeah, and this is in the '90s in this era. That 1998 is right in that zeitgeist of that era of what do you want to call them? Uh, meddling owners like <laughs> like like Jerry Jones had just won his three Super Bowls literally five years before this. Like I think Mark Cuban buys the Mavericks within a year of this. Yeah, like uh, Daniel Snyder I believe buys the Redskins within two or three years of this. So there are owners that want to make a splash, and, and this guy I'm not sure that he was necessarily. A splash type owner, but he did make some. They did yeah. do some stuff, and, he, and taking a chance on Randy Moss was was also part of his sure. deal as well. As, as well. Uh, a little bit of trivia here: um, Tom Clancy was in the running to buy the Bef- author before Red to Red buy. Yep. Yeah, and I would have. I mean, who knows what the team would have looked like if that would happen? Exactly. So the season starts out in Tampa Bay. They win thirty-one to seven. Looks pretty good. Uh, the next game is against the St. Louis Rams. Their starting quarterback is a guy named Brad Johnson. The Minnesota Vikings starting quarterback is a guy named Brad Johnson. He breaks his ankle breaks in his game ankle. two. Yeah, essentially misses the had, rest of the season. He had what he had thrown like four touchdowns the first game, something yeah, like that. Exactly. Yeah. He come out killing with him and Randy Moss, and started out yeah. very strong. Uh, so Brad Johnson is replaced by Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham had been out of football for a little over a year. Right? Actually, well. I, about about a year. The way I had remembered it, he'd been out of football for a long time, but he actually signed as a backup in 1997. So he must have been out of football for a couple years. I think early. they said. I think from what I heard or saw or read, he he is out after the '95 season, so he didn't play in the so at least one full season. I'm not playing football. Exactly. And, and then the '97 season, I don't think he played much. He was a backup. I think he exactly. Kind of played at the end of the year, maybe. But and so again, for our non-sports fans, Randall Cunningham in the. Late 80s and early 90s was a quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I would describe him as electrifying. He yeah, was just he was very good. He basically was a glimpse into what the future could be for for a quarterback. Like, if you put another, if you like 
basically had him eat like 450 cheeseburgers, he would be what Cam Newton is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he was about he was about Cam's size. Threw the ball effort effortlessly. Yeah, he had a just had a arm. rocket for an arm like can't. I mean, like this guy—he was the first guy I remember seeing like score a touchdown like after being flipped over on a, on a run. You know what I mean? There's like, been so many. There were so many plays from the '80s, late '80s that I remember of watching him, him and he most was, of them. Most of them were him leaping in the air, like trying, like scoring a touchdown on a run and plays. And so he had been out of football. He comes in and in this game connects with Chris Carter uh, to win the game in in, in the second game of the season, thirty-eight to thirty-one. Uh, the Vikings are essentially off and running. They win the next two games. They're now four and zero, going into a Monday night football matchup with the four and zero Green Bay Packers. And fresh off of two Super Bowl appearances, one win, one loss. And we're supposed to be fresh, and we were good. Yeah, I mean, this was when uh, Favre was at the top of his game. Yeah, they were. We were awesome. It was we coming. It was coming off three consecutive MVPs, right? Yes, sir. and yeah, and we thought the, we were the the cat's pajamas. And then the Vikings come in and bomb on us. Randy Moss uh, is amazing. He makes two super long, freakish athletic touchdown plays where, like, he beats both times two defensive backs. It was silly. It was like a and scores touchdowns. It looked almost. It 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 looked like to me it was choreographed. I see what you're saying. Cause oh. I mean, it looks so silly. Like it looked like a Three Stooges yeah, bit. No, you yeah, know? I, it was amazing, like, and it was like the first time that the term "mossed" somebody gets yeah, into the lexicon. Yeah, we end up. But the so Green Bay Packers end up drafting a running back many years later named Eddie Lacy, and Eddie Lacy surprisingly ends up having good hands. And he talks about how when he was younger, when he'd make a catch, he'd be like, "Make the catch, Moss." Every time he caught the ball, Moss, Moss. So like that was his thing. So again, this is like. As far as I'm concerned, the genesis of it. Because, yeah, we knew that the first four games, Randy Moss was, was starting to light the league up and he looked pretty good. But on Monday night, it opened our eyes. As Packer fans, I was like, yeah. damn, we're in so much yeah. trouble from now on. It was it was awful. Like, and they beat us 37-24. Uh, yeah, and what was was like really awful is because that's when we like first found out about Moss. And then we found out that we could have fucking drafted him. Yeah, if we wanted yes. Oh, no, we don't. No, we, we probably could have. No, we could have. Cause we could have? We drafted Vonnie Holiday, I believe that. Oh, no. You're right. I don't I remember. I, I just remember Vonnie Holiday ever ahead of him. But you're right. I thought we drafted him. But fair enough. So... Randy Moss and light, they light us up now. The nation knows that the Vikings are for real, and, and there's no yeah. joke about it. Because, like I said, the first four games they did pretty good, but you weren't sure. You know what I mean? They had a couple flukish games and a couple pretty good stuff. Now they killed us. Uh, they win two more games, beating the hell out of people, going into Tampa Bay for for a Week Eight matchup. Uh, Tony Dungy is a coach of Tampa Bay. He was once a coach for the Minnesota Vikings, yeah. so there was some familiarity there. And Tony Dungy was building a team that would essentially win a Super Bowl within a couple of years. Yeah. So they were a good team. Uh, and the and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers hand the Minnesota Vikings their first loss of the season. That was 27 Warren Sapp-led. Warren Sapp, Mike Allstatt. Uh, yeah. So it was, this was the heyday. Uh, essentially, uh, this defense that they have was good. It's not great. They end up being ranked 13th. But they're led by a guy named John Randall. Yeah, he's a fascinating human being. He's uh, he he was he was undrafted free agent pickup. He tried like hell to get on the team. I was listening to a story he was telling that during a weigh-in when he was trying to make the team, he went out and he bought a huge chain. 
so that he could show so that it sh- they're like damn you put on like 20 Eight pounds, pounds and like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's something <laughs> like outrageous that he put on and then they're like he's like no man this is just the chain that i wear it was just like <laughs> no, he, the like, chain made noise and he, yeah. he faked that it was the chain he was wearing oh yeah okay was yeah. Yeah, yeah it was just and then he was known for saying uh six footer for life because he was six because foot tall and not six he was a five short guy six, yeah. six as a defensive just, lineman and ended up Having a great career and being a Hall of Famer, what I played remember, with yes. more heart than like anyone that I can remember from that era. What I really remember of John Randall, and I'm sure that you remember it now that I'm bringing it up, bringing it up to you. There was a famous commercial in which he chased a chicken that was in a Brett Favre jersey. Oh, I uh, I vaguely remember that was John that, Randall, yeah. and then yeah. so then if you remember that, also something famous was that. Minnesota was famous for having a number four Green Bay Packer jersey, but yeah. on a tackling dummy. I yeah, I, I heard that. Yeah, so, yeah, that part I, I I knew. So John Randall was was a fascinating player. The defense wasn't good, but he was really really good, and he helped them out. Uh, so like I said, besides Moss, we had Carter. We talked about Hall of Famer uh, Cunningham. They were they were really really good. Uh, Chris Carter said that Randy Moss was built like a greyhound, so the offense, so the Vikings offense treated him like a greyhound, letting him run on a track. Like, he would just like if it almost seemed unfair that year, or and for about two or three years after that. When you look at the highlights now, especially that year, because if he could, if if there was an, if they had the ball at their twenty, right, he just could. If he could run long enough, if the quarterback could prevent, if, if they could prevent the quarterback from getting sacked, and he could run long, enough, he was going to run past the guy. And he and he caught it so many times. Like that was the big. I remember that was like what the haters were trying to say about Randy Moss was that he was only good at the deep threat. And I was like, it's like it's like it was like my argument when I didn't like Shaq <laughs> yes. in the night in the in the early. He's only good at dunking. But like, he's just good because he's huge. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they were really coming into their own. They're having a very good season. Uh, they end up smashing the Packers in the second matchup of the season and uh, face the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And they kill the Cowboys. Destroyed the Cowboys. And I think look, it was pay- it had to have been, you know, pent up rage for that for that Herschel Walker trade. That was the thing. In the show that I watched, they said that Randy Moss was not driven by fame or even the desire to win. He was driven by the desire to punish all the teams that passed on him. And the team that he most wanted to unleash his anger upon was the Dallas Cowboys. And so on this Thanksgiving Day matchup, he has three catches for 167 yards and three touchdowns. So again, for our non-sports fans, just do the math. (laughs) Three catches, 167 yards, and every time he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown. He went off. like 55 yards a catch. All touchdowns, at least, Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the Vikings are now twelve in one, uh, while Randy Moss, Chris Carter, and John Randall and Randall Cunningham are all having like superstar Hall of Fame years. The Minnesota Viking kickers Gary Anderson has not missed a field goal all season, and by the end of the season, it's two fucking years that he did not miss a field goal. Remember that two years by the end of the season, and as this is all going on. They have a quiet 1,100-yard running back just 
by a Robert season by Robert Smith. Smith. He, uh, Ohio State, Ohio probably, State right? University. He was exactly. very good. Like if he got out of the when he was when you when when he was galloping, he almost was as fast as uh, Randy Moss. He was super, again. The Vikings would cause the Packers of this era before this year all kinds of problems, and he was the one that I remember really giving us hell. Like he could always score. On if us. he got if he got past the first, you know the the D line, like he was hard to get your hands on. Like he was. Exactly. It's real long legs, uh, track athlete speed, track star speed. So I'm of the opinion that when you're a really good team, you can score a ton of points, right? Like, that's logical. But, like, the the real breakdown is at 30 points as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. So in that first five games of the season, the Vikings scored, the lowest they scored was 29 points, right? They scored, no, I'm sorry, that's in the first Eight games a season, and the most they scored at the point was forty-one. If you score forty on people, you know you're a good. In team. the NFL, forty is like scoring like seventy in in college. It's a lot, dude. Forty, mm-hmm. right? And so, so they're bombing on people, bombing on people. They have a little lull in the middle of the season after they lose to uh to uh Tampa Bay, in which they they have a couple games where they score 28, 24, and thirty-one. And then they really get hot, dude. They beat the Cowboys 46-36. They beat the Bears 48-22. They beat the Ravens 38-22. Or 28, rather. And they beat the Jaguars 50-10. They start murdering people. You know what I mean? This team is is awful. On a tear. Uh, They finish the regular season at 15-1 with 506 points, setting at the time the single season record for points scored. Hmm. Impressive. Yeah, uh, 556 points that season. 506. 556.34.75 points per game at the time, the the most high-octane offense in that ever existed. The game. They were amazing. And, and they're in many ways, they were like the they were the, the prototype for what happens to now, the NFL. Yeah. Exactly. Or even like, the next year, really, because the next year is the St. Louis Rams that win their championship. Yeah, and after they win their championship, the era of football or their nickname is the greatest show on turf. Yeah, I really feel the Vikings were the true oh, God, greatest yeah. show on turf. Like I love Marshall Falk, who was on the Rams, but the way that these guys played, they were just incredible. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like not when I when I say Falk in comparison to Smith, but Smith was still fantastic. They didn't have anything comparable to Randy Moss. There, I don't think there's ever been anything comparable. Or, no. Or, or Those since. two receivers were great. You're right, but but they were not as good as him. Uh, so now we are into the playoffs. The 15-1 and yeah. Vikings earned themselves a bye, uh, so they play the second round of the playoffs, and they play against the Arizona Cardinals. They beat them 41-21, to another 40-point game. In the playoffs, mind you, uh, and set up a championship game against the Atlanta. They had Falcons. a grudge against the Cardinals too, because I forget who Aeneas it was. Williams Aeneas said Williams what did he said, say? He said that he was going to shut him down, or he was going to destroy him, or something like that. To Randy Moss, yeah, and it's. I think he was trying to intimidate him, but I don't think it worked. Randy Moss had been through a lot by that point. I mean, he had served some time in jail. Like he was a grown ass man when he was a upon, rookie. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah, he got he got hated upon. And not to say that he doesn't end up doing some stuff in his career that adds to the hate that he does himself for sure. Like I think he, I think yeah. he's, I think he's, uh, what's the term sprays water at a referee and I think he drives a car into a meter maid. That's not cool. We're, we're not. He did some that. jerky things, but I mean nothing nothing to make. I mean I I disliked him because he was him and and the Vikings were he was 
even if they weren't winning, he was constantly whooping our secondary's ass, I making them, making them look silly. On the Vikings, he made yeah. silly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so back to the '98 playoffs, we end up or they end up matched up against the Atlanta Falcons, who they themselves had a very impressive 14 and two record yeah. going into. I was the season. I uh, I looked up a lot of their their stats um, for this project and. So Chris Chandler, that's the quarterback. quarterback, He had a surprisingly good year. He was basically a journeyman for his entire career. He had about 25 touchdowns, I think 13 interceptions this year. He had a good year, yeah. Jamal Anderson, just sublime, 1,800 yards, right? That was an amazing year. And I believe he was one that was famous for the the Dirty Bird celebration. He always scored those touchdowns. And he was... He like he had like tree trunks for legs. Couldn't he bring was him just, down. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I believe they had a thousand yard wide receiver in Mathis. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So they they had a pretty solid team. Their offense, I think, was scored. They scored somewhere around like twenty seven points a game, something bad. like that. No, yeah. So they were they were decent offense. And uh, I know that decent they, defense. They grabbed from the Green Bay Packers a safety named Eugene Robinson, who had appeared in the two Super Bowls previous. To this. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he ends um, up getting in trouble with this rule. We'll come back to that later if we want. Whatever. Falcons, <laughs> Falcons that year were fourth in scoring offense at 27.6 per game. So they were good. There, there's no question. That team could play. And their their defense, uh, they, they had the fourth uh, scoring defense at 18.1 per game. So they, they were a solid team. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And it's, their record showed it. Showed it, exactly. Yeah. And so I want to touch just based on one thing. Uh, in that Atlanta game, John Randall is injured by getting his knee hyperextended upon. One of his teammates rolled up on him. So in the Cardinal game, you mean? No, no. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. sorry. In the Atlanta game. And so in the NFC Championship game, John Randall is actually injured early. Yeah. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons take a 7 nothing lead. Uh, and, and it's, you know, like looking a little bit weird. Uh, the Vikings come back to make it 7-7 on a Randy Moss touchdown. Uh, yeah, opening possession, Falcons go down, march score, yeah. right down the field and score, yep. And then they come back on a, uh, I think it was like a 30-yard Randy Moss touchdown yep. pass, yep. The uh, the Vikings end up having several decent drives that they do not convert into touchdowns or maybe convert one into touchdowns and have several field goals. They end up mounting a 20-7 to lead. Yeah. The so there's, a, there's a couple things I want to talk about yep. in the first quarter. So there was a fumble by a Falcons running back right after the um, – Vikings scored on that Moss touchdown. I, I watched the replay of it on during the on the game, and today's by today's standards, they wouldn't even been called a catch. But it was a they it was a pass. He caught it. He turned around, took one step. He immediately fell to the ground, and then fumbled the Dropped ball. The ball. Oh, so they would they would have just called it an incomplete, incomplete pass, pass, but yeah. they called it a fumble. Even though the ground caused it, they said that because he wasn't touched or something like that, yeah. or someone didn't like initiate contact with him, they still called it a fumble. It was odd seeing it. Weird. Back back in nineteen ninety eight rules today, that he he didn't really make a football move or you know they got so many weird really rules complete. now. So you, yep. and that that led led to uh, a field goal. So that made that the score ten to seven, and then the Falcons fumbled again in the first quarter. And then they scored. The Vikings scored a touchdown on the next um, possession. On that possession, so right there, seventeen seventeen seven after after two after back to back turnovers wow. by the the Atlanta Falcons. And Randall Cunningham uh, just missed on the next possession. Just missed uh, Randy Moss. That was the one where it looked like it. Right? It, yeah. it didn't really go through. It was like right like it hit the tip of his fingers. Yeah, it looked yeah. like, and. 
when we talk about this game in totality and they talk about football, you always talk about it's a game of inches. This is truly was a game of inches for the Falcon or for the um, Minnesota Vikings, because if that pass is just like if Franny Moss has got an inch more ahead or if the pass is thrown a millisecond earlier, he makes the catch. He makes the catch, yeah. So that would have put him up 24-7, which would have been damn near insurmountable. In the first yeah. quarter, essentially. In the first right? quarter, yeah. yeah. It Instead, up, it, went, it was uh, 20, uh, 20 to 7. Yeah, and then 20 to 14 at halftime. Yeah. Uh, in the second half, uh, the Vikings continue to build up their lead, taking a lead of 27 to 20. And with 2 minutes and 12 seconds left, Gary Anderson comes up to kick a field goal to ice the game. Yeah. So my my memory of this game was that he was kicking a field goal to win it right at the end, okay. but that wasn't necessarily the point the case. Nope. They were up 27 to 20 to 20 at this point with about 2 minutes left. It would have basically made it a two-score game. Yeah, they would have been up by 10. It would have been pretty hard. It would, it would have been almost impossible yeah. for them to come back. I think the reason why me and a lot of other people put so much credence on this kick is from the simple fact that he didn't he hadn't missed a field goal in two, two years. years which is, say. I've never done anything perfect perfectly for, for like maybe like maybe my streak is like two weeks. So he had not, and that's something benign like combing my hair. So he had not missed a field goal in two years, and in this season he had not missed a field goal or extra point. And yeah. sure enough, as we're talking about it, he misses the field goal here. Yeah. So twenty-seven to twenty, leaving about two minutes left for the Atlanta Falcons to drive down and score a touchdown. Uh the Atlanta Falcons drive, do a pretty good job, and still try to give the game away. Yeah, there's a tipped pass. So I think it was like a second down play. This a tip the very end of the game. Yeah, very end of the game. There's like probably like 40, 50 seconds left. Tip pass. Ball is flying through the end zone, and Robert Griffith comes in, number 24. I think he was a safety for the Vikings. Like it, 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 it wasn't like he, was, he missed it. Kind of looked like it hit him right in the bread basket and just kind of like slid right through his hands. So again, when Bryce says it was tipped, the replay I saw, the guy had an interception in his hand and missed first interception. On the yeah, tip. it so got tipped by a by, by a his, Vikings the first D back yeah. has it in his hands and cannot convert the interception. And after that, it bounces up, and Robert Griffin has it in his hands and cannot keep it against his chest as the ball squirts out. Yeah, on the very next play. The Atlanta Falcons score a touchdown and tie the game 27-27. Yeah, Chandler threw an absolute bullet to, I believe it was Mathis. Yep. And that, yep, that tied the game. The final drive of the of, of regulation that Minnesota had, there there is some... Controversy? Uh, not really controversy, but there's some second-guessing about whether or not they gave up, right? and just settled for for overtime. And back then overtime was first team to score wins regardless. Now they changed the rules where if you score a touchdown you win, but if you kick a field goal the other team has a chance. The other team has a chance. So they they had the ball with about 49 seconds left, all three timeouts, which 
Really? I didn't. Okay. Yeah, they had all three timeouts, wow. which for this high octane offense should have been more than enough time to get in the field goal range. But they were moving the ball a little bit, and it just there was one one deep pass to Randy Moss that Randy Moss in, in throughout his career had been criticized for like dogging some plays, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not, I don't think he did on this one. There was, and then there was some some speculation that he had a, a hurt yeah, stomach muscle. But the the pass it, it, again, it just it was one of those. It, the timing was off to me. What it looked like in 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 fast motion or in regular speed. So they ended up having the ball on third down. Like it was like third and three with about 30-some seconds left. They had two, one or two timeouts left. I can't remember at this point. And then they kneel. Atlanta had no timeouts. Atlanta had no timeouts. And back to the last play about Randy Moss. And the thing is, what I saw on the highlights I saw today, or last time I was watching my, the video I saw, throughout the year, Randy Moss had made several catches where he like jumped up and over the D-back and tipped it over them and made the catch. Yeah. He tried that on this last play and was unable to complete the catch. The defender was able to hold him off is what happened on this one, is what I saw. Are you talking about the last one in, in regulation? Atlanta, yeah. Or are you talking about the overtime one? I thought that I thought it was in I thought it was in regulation. No, in re- the one in regulation, he was he broke through double coverage and got open, but he Cunningham overthrew him. him. Okay, all right. So then the one I saw wasn't been overtime. I must have heard it wrong. Okay. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, yeah. So overtime, what happened is they they I think they win the toss. Atlanta gets get, Minnesota gets the ball and does nothing. They, just, they do nothing. They're unable to capitalize. Atlanta, so then that must have been where he made that play. And yeah. He missed it. Atlanta okay. did nothing on their their so Minnesota had the possession, did nothing. Atlanta had the possession, did nothing. Minnesota had the possession again, and that's where the play where Moss is open mm. and. Again, just a game of inches. Like the so, like you said, you've seen Randy Moss make these plays where he reaches over the DB and either pulls pops it. the ball up or pulls, pulls it, it away. pulls it away, yeah. and makes a spectacular catch, and then makes everyone in the secondary look like a bunch of fools. Children, yeah. Okay. This looked like it was going to happen. Like it was set up for it, for okay. it to happen. I thought that was he okay. was open. The pass was not a hundred percent on target. It gave it gave Eugene Robinson like a split second to catch up which he did, and he barely got a hand in there, and he tipped the ball. So normally what you would have seen with this is you would have seen if the ball got tipped up, Randy Moss would have caught Caught it and been gone. Eugene Robinson was able to get it to tip it forward, Forward. away from Randy Moss, which broke it up. And that was basically the, the only shot that they had, the only real threat that they had in overtime. Atlanta got the ball back, came down. In the, I guess... What you could say is uh, poetic justice. Another guy named Anderson. What's a poetic justice? Just irony or whatever. Well, it was in the exact same spot. Morton Anderson comes down almost from the exact same spot. 38 yards, yards, nails the field goal. Right through the middle of the uprights. Yep. Yeah. So... When when you when we look when I look back at the game, there's a whole bunch of things that you can pinpoint to why why what what the Vikings didn't do and what the Falcons did do. There's a whole bunch of things where you could say, oh well, if this didn't happen, if that happened. The one thing that I did notice on the two field goals that pretty much defined this game, the one that Minnesota law missed and the one that um, the Falcons hit. From almost the exact same spot, almost the exact same distance, the Minnesota one, 
they had to kick it from the left hash. Okay. And Anderson, uh, Gary Anderson, missed it far, just left. Okay. So when Atlanta was getting set up in the overtime to kick the field goal to win almost in the exact same spot, they on, on second down they handed off the ball to uh, Jamal Anderson, who ran dead center. In the middle. In the middle. Kept the position. Kept the position, yep. yep. And if if Gary Anderson kicked the ball from that spot, he probably makes he, it. He makes it because yeah. he barely missed he that that one that like, just barely missed it, and it was so. Like you said, it's just a weird thing where you know just a hash mark, a matter of inches, matter of like. feet, you know. But and so the Atlanta Falcons win and are the NFC representatives for the Super Bowl. What I remember most about this, however, is that I had come home for college this this winter in 1998, and I had a soccer game. Yeah. The car that I was in, the person gave me a ride, his heater wasn't working that great. So my feet were still cold from my soccer game. I injured myself very early and was stuck at this place all day. And when I finally got home, like, I'd probably been home for two minutes. And Brian calls me. He's like, did you watch that game? And I was like, no. He's like, it was the greatest game ever. I was like, shit. I was so mad at myself for missing this game. And when you watch the highlights... It was like a Russian novel. It had everything, like ups, downs, yes. twists, like things you couldn't believe. It was and unbelievable. I am not going to lie. Part of my joy in calling it the greatest game ever was because they, lost, of course, cause they kicked like our ass time. both yes, times. Agreed, and agreed. I, it was, I, I had the same <laughs> feeling when I, when I, when the, uh, when the Seahawks lost the, the Patriots in the, to the Patriots <laughs> after the after after the Packers admittedly choked, choked yep. the NFC Championship away, that was different because the Vikings I don't feel like they choked. Like, they did not choke. I think the, the we're gonna we're gonna get into okay, that a little right, bit right. in our summation, but I mean we can go there right now. I mean they they didn't choke. I mean it was flukish, like like it should happen, but like they didn't, I don't feel like they choked. We can come back to that later. I just yeah. want to make sure I, I make that clear. No, I, there's just a couple more. There's a couple plays more plays I want to discuss. Well, one in particular. Uh, so the fumble right before the first half. Mm-hmm. So Randy or uh, Randall Cunningham is in the pocket. He's coming back to pass, and the the lineman. It's just a ma- like like I like I keep bringing up just a matter. They always inches. say matter of seconds, matter of inches. Yep. Just such a fluke. Not not necessarily a fluke play, but you don't see that play a lot, right? Apparently, from what. Pat Summerall and John Madden told me during the broadcast of the game <laughs> that Atlanta was known for doing that. I mean, the timing is is what does he, he got, do? I'm sorry, can you explain it better? So he's in the pocket. He's in his you know the uh, yeah. ready to throw Statue of Liberty. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, outside linebacker comes around, knocks the ball knocks out. The ball out. Okay. All right. I mean that can that can happen during a season, but the, the, it happens so rarely. Like you don't see that happen all the time. A strip sack. Yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a big time play. You're but right. But that's that, and the, and you're talking a matter of seconds because you know it, they they when they he's getting ready to throw the ball, and they say some of the best quarterbacks get release the ball in like, like 2.3 seconds or yeah not even yeah like that, just yeah. something ridiculous yeah. so the the timing has to be perfect and for it to happen right at like one minute to go on the minnesota like 20 yard line it's just like serendipitous for the for the falcons and just a piece of luck that it kind of i mean yeah that there's some skill that goes into it but that's to me was was pretty lucky, was pretty lucky for 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 the falcons the one that i thought was dumb when we talked about this was the uh kneel down 
at the end down. Yeah, at the end of the game. Call. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I, I was so, for it. Like I said, I didn't really had three timeouts. I can I, I can see where where Dennis Green was coming from on that because um, Randall Green was struggling more than he had all year. I get that too. But this is the yeah, best but and at the same it. time, he didn't want to have to punt at all. Like he didn't want they he didn't want to have to risk the change of possession with that little time left. He had guaranteed overtime. Right. Why why risk it? So yeah, I mean, but they were. I don't want to say they're a risk-taking team, but they they were a big play team. Big like play they, team. like one play would a all you got to do is get Randy Moss slightly open. To your point about them being a big play team, uh, this is according to Football Outsiders. The Vikings led the league with fifty-two plays of twenty-five plus yards. Damn, they had twenty-two offensive plays of forty-plus yards. No other team had more than sixteen plays of that length. So not only their offense was scoring a bunch of long-ass plays, their special teams and their defense were scoring huge kind of plays to get yeah. that many huge plays. That's yeah. incredible. Like they, no. they were just extraordinarily unlucky to win to win in this NFC Championship game. So that was the NFC Championship game that they lost. The, we said they lost by three points in overtime. And and I mean, the overtime you can't really say it was because you know the they got the other team got the ball first. Blah blah blah. blah. Which did happen to them in one end of, in the 2009 NFC Championship game, and that leads me into my next part, where the the Minnesota Vikings have had some crushing losses. losses. Yes, I mean, aside from losing four Super Bowls in the 60s and 70s, yeah. they also had um, they made it back after '98 to the 2000 NFC um, Championship game, and they lost to the New York Giants, New York 41 Giants, nothing, 41 nothing, just. Led by Kerry like, Collins, who Kerry Collins to all of our sports non sports fans and our sports fans was not a very good quarterback. No, he was a Penn State product, and I you know he he was okay. Like I believe the Packers played him in the one of the NFC Championship games. I think you're to right. to go to the Super Bowl. I think of the year we won. We won I think yeah. it was ninety six NFC Championship. So they lose that one, 41 to nothing. They lose a game, and this isn't a playoff game, but they lost in 2003 on a last-second play to the Cardinals. Just an outrageous touchdown in in the like. They changed the rules. Remember back in the back in this era of football, if you were to have come down in the end zone. They would have given you the touchdown, the force out rule. Yeah. And that's what happened here. The guy for the Arizona Cardinals was about to come down. They pushed him out. They called it a touchdown. Oh. Minnesota lost that game, were thus not eligible for the playoffs. And by that happening, the Green Bay Packers snuck into the playoffs that year. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I, re, I, I remember watching that too. I'm giving the 1998 Minnesota Viking props, but I hate this franchise. Like, I have no love for them whatsoever. But. This '98 team was amazing, and I mean, by saying you hate them, that that is a sign of respect because yeah. the, they have beaten the Green Bay Packers on a regular basis. And I mean, we've never, never when it's been for like all the marbles. Oh yeah, no, they were they were the teams, but, one of the few teams that beat the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau in a playoff game. Yeah. I think we've only lost three or four of them, and one of them was like on a Christmas Eve, and and they killed us and it ruined Christmas for everybody in yeah. Wisconsin. Yeah, thanks Minnesota. Yep. Um, and then the 2009 NFC Championship game uh, against the Saints with beloved Brett Favre was in rare form. I I'm gonna admit my my heart grew 
What? what Harder? Because you were okay with him when he left. You didn't have any beef. Like, I liked Favre. I remember that. Like, you, you had no problem with him when he left on their team. I, grew, so, I got some fondness for the Minnesota Vikings. I wanted them to win that game. So let us remind, again, our non-sports fans that Brett Favre was here forever. He left very acrimoniously. Is that the word I'm looking for? It was very a bitter breakup. He ends up going to the New York Jets. Kept threatening to retire. Like now that I'm threatening, like, are you going to retire? I don't know. Maybe you could argue that he held the Green Bay Packers franchise hostage. The Packers decided to move on. Brett Favre did not like this. He wanted to get traded to one of the teams in our division. The Packers did not do that. They sent him to the New York Jets. He had an okay year with the Jets. Retires again. Comes out of retirement and joins the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, a bunch of. Whatever, kind of a kind of an odd, shitty move. But anyhow, and so, as you said, you had good. no beef with him when he was on the Jets. No. You, had, you were okay with him when he was on the Vikings. You you, you liked Favre, as many people did. There were some Favre fans or some Packer fans that, to this day, still hate Brett Favre. Some of us have gotten over it. Yeah, I mean, I I just I was yeah. I love Brett. I yeah. mean, I love the Packers and I love Favre. Anyhow, back to the back to the 2009 NFC Championship game. Like we saw Brett Favre do in the 2007 NFC Championship game with the Packers, he threw an interception to basically and other playoff games kind of end the game. You know, yes. I mean, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't directly end the game, but it led to the overtime, which was game over. St. Louis got, or not St. Louis, uh, New Orleans got the ball, and then uh, Drew Brees led the uh, led him to a field goal. Yep, moly mole. 2010, the Metrodome roof collapsed in the midst of Brett Favre's final season. He, they really, uh, he he played one year too long. It, I mean, I'm kind of glad he, I didn't have to see him do that in a Green Bay Packer uniform, but he got demolished that year. Yep. Anyhow, so yeah, they had some 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 tough times in the in the playoffs and some regular season losses. So. Yep. So, uh, what do you th- what do you say? Should we uh, come down on? Uh... I do. Before we before we finish, let me just say one last couple things real quick. Currently, the only teams to complete fifteen and one seasons or better were the nineteen eighty four Forty Niners, the eighty five Bears, and then check this out: the ninety eight Vikings, the two thousand four Steelers, the the two thousand eleven Packers, and the twenty fifteen Carolina Panthers. Those first two teams won Super Bowls, and mm-hmm. the other four did not win Super yeah. Bowls. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you, I know why the Green Bay Packer won, didn't, because their defense stunk. They were the absolute worst that year. Historically bad defense, yeah. yes. And then the the 2007 New England Patriots went undefeated and lost the Super Bowl. So that team wasn't 15-1, and they were actually 19-1. and And uh, the Vikings' high-powered offense, which set the record for 556 points, was surpassed by the New England Patriots in 2007. Yep. And that was that was it. And then I think now, after this era of video game football, Madden football, that Minnesota Vikings team has the sixth highest offense. Yeah, I know the Packers surpassed it in 2011. A couple other teams did. It seems like every year there's some outrageously... Yep. Yeah. So, so like, this team was a historically good offensive unit. Period. Yeah, so the... They, I think, when they broke the record, it had been since 1983 that the record stood for right, scoring. So exactly. that's like what a 15 year difference. And then it seemed every couple, and now every couple of years. So, like I said, they were the prototypical team that that high octane passing offense, deep threat, uh, just speed all over the place. They were one of the first true like 
not first round, I take that back, but they were one of those teams that took advantage of playing in a dome. Yeah. Like, now you see that where, like, some teams are built for speed and they play in domes. Like, this Viking was definitely that. But they could win on the road. They could win in grass, as they did all throughout the whole season. Mm-hmm. So, again, the thesis is the Minnesota Vikings should have, at the very least, I'm sorry, the Minnesota Vikings should have been the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. I'll be real honest. I give them the alternative history. They, they were a fantastic team. I really think they should have played in that Super Bowl. I think that the Denver Broncos essentially stole two Super Bowl in the 90s. I feel like if the Green Bay Packers would have played them nine out of ten times. For all our Denver listeners, <laughs> Rodrigo hates your football team. Nine out of ten times we win that game. We didn't win that, that tenth time. And if the Denver Broncos would have had to have played the Minnesota Vikings, I believe the Minnesota Vikings would have beat the shit out of that team. Simple. <laughs> okay, so my I'm 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 giving it to him too. And here here's here's my thought process. So when we talked about the 1982 Brazil soccer team, I gave him that one. But you you talk and and I this kind of stuck with me. You said basically they lost because of who they were. Like they didn't play defense. Pragmatic. Really. Well, Pragmatic, you yeah. make some adjustments. Exactly. They refuse to adjust. So they had a, they 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 they're Achilles heel. Killed them. What made them great is also what killed exactly. Them. Yeah, that is not what happened to this Vikings team. They were they were like this was solely based on the fact that it's it's a sport where you have to play one game to decide whether or not you're gonna you're gonna be one of the best teams ever or just a footnote, right? Unlike say basketball, unlike say hockey, uh, which I hate by the way, the best team. Always wins in those games because of the series of seven games. Baseball, like you know, what I mean, very rarely yeah. is the best game. And, and in soccer and in football, because they're related, sometimes the best team doesn't win. Yeah, it's I liken I liken this team to a team that we talked about earlier, the nineteen eighty two Brewers, high octane offense. What I think was an adequate defense on the Brewers, an adequate defense for the Vikings. They were adequate, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, a, enough to where their offense could lead them to a championship for reasons outside of of who they are as a team they both lost right and i gave it to the brewers and i'm giving it to the vikings here and here's here's the thing that really like solidified it for me so the vikings offense they were the number two in total yards number one in in passing scored 34.8 points per game roughly the teams, the the Vikings defense, they were twenty first in passing. They should have annihilated them. Yeah, and what you're saying. and like he's like, it was just a matter of like just like milliseconds and inches that they didn't. Yeah, there was two touchdowns probably for sure. One of them would have, would have won the game in overtime to Randy Moss. Yeah, and if they play against Denver in the in the uh, Super Bowl, Denver's twenty sixth in passing defense. The one of the worst the, in the league. One of the worst. The Vikings were 19th, so you might have had a little bit of back and forth, but here's where the Vikings would have been good. The Vikings were so much better in passing than 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 Denver was. And the Vikings had the 11th best rush defense that year. Yep. So they would have there's a, that's a top 12 rush defense against a good running back. So you have a chance to stop them for real. And like, and we talked about this I I brought this stat up when we were game planning for this episode. And this is the one that solidifies it for me as to why not only would they have won the NFC, they should have won the NFC Championship game, but they 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 would have won the Super Bowl. 
They scored on 51.4% of all their possessions. More than half of the time when they got the ball, they were scoring a field, at, at the very least, least getting goal. in the field goal range. And the guy was automatic. It's unbelievable. So, and he missed the one, but like I said, that, that miss to me isn't what lost that game. Like, granted, it may have put it out of reach. You don't know what would have happened right. outside of that. You know, they might have tried an onside kick. Who right. knows? They would have got it back. There would have been time if they got got it back, if they did the onside kick. So, it like, was flukish. It wasn't even their worst game. Like, like sometimes when this stuff happens, you can say, like, it, that team took a – that team picked a funny week to play their worst game. Like, when the 15-1 and Packers lost to the New York Giants at Lambeau Field – the Packers played like shit that game. Yeah, you can't really say that the Vikings played like crap this game. No. It was a great game. They just no, didn't yeah. win. And 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 it's not that they played like crap, but they and and they lost because their strengths didn't come out as they normally do. Right. And they still scored twenty seven points. They there still there was they weren't exposed. There was no weakness that was exposed, and they basically like like I mentioned. There's just like there's there's three plays that stick in my mind. It's the the Cunningham fumble. And it's the the two missed opportunities to Randy Moss. Moss. Yep. Like those three things did not happen on a regular basis. Which would have happened. Like, and they were they were scoring touchdowns that he scored seventeen touchdowns that season and led the league with over thirteen hundred yards receiving. So for a rookie, I I'm saying that they they beat Atlanta, and, and I'm saying they win Denver. an historically awesome Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos, forty nine. 42. It's probably good that you give him that, Brian, because after this, Chris Carter said after losing this game, he wasn't sure if he ever wanted to play football yeah. anymore. He never made it to a Super Bowl. Some trolling-ass website wrote, he finally made it to a Super Bowl in the year 2001, Man of the Year. Uh, John Randall finishes with 135, 137.5 sacks, most ever for his position, uh, does not win a Super Bowl. Dennis Green wins 101 games in 10 years for the Vikings. No Super Bowl. Randy Moss, greatest receiver ever. No, no Super, Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah. Unlocked. So, one thing I would just like to say before we end here is that I, when I was watching that documentary, they they focused on three guys. They focused on Randy Moss. They focused on um, well, and actually, I'm sorry, they didn't focus on it was uh, Coach Green, um, Chris Carter, and John Randall. And the thing that came through and kind of kind of changed how I saw the team and kind of how I see sports now, really, is you always talk about how it's just a game to people, and and we try to trivialize it, you know, and make it not seem as important as it may be to these guys. It, like it, like it had a pulse. Yeah. It, it was it was this was their life. Yeah, no, like you could see the hurt in them. Like and and when like when we started this project, we said you like you said it perfectly like there's beautiful stories to be told in the losing and it's it seems like they get you they got more out of god this is going to sound terrible they got more out of losing this game than they did out of winning it like and i got more out of it from them as humans as i would have if they won because when you win everything's great you praise god and then you go and you get drunk these guys had to live have to live with this every day and you can tell that it's more than a game this is their life and and i i don't think Sports, I mean, you can trivialize it on a whole, but like on the for the individual, it 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 means a lot. It means an awful lot. You're yeah, absolutely right. And 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 it, and it came through with this team, and and as far as we're concerned, they're Super Bowl champs. So absolutely. So there you have it. We're a couple of homers, right? 
We give this and, we give this Minnesota Vikings and, and, their prop and, and, for sure. And as Rod said, the Broncos probably stole two of them, and I'm probably and maybe I'm giving this to the Vikings out of spite for the Broncos, but I think I think they earned it. I, I would totally agree with you. So again, as Brian said, there you have it. This was the Alternative History Podcast. Let us know what you think. Are we full of shit? Does, does my voice make you want to pull your hair out? Yeah. Does my voice, you know, like feel like you're, you know, being slowly choked by carbon monoxide? I mean, let us know. Please let us know. Reach out at Facebook. Reach out at at, uh, at uh, Twitter. Email yeah. us anytime. Google Play, iTunes. We're always there. We really appreciate you guys listening. Yeah. Alternative History Podcast at gmail.com. Facebook is Alt His- Alternative History. Twitter, Alt History PC, or at Alt History PC. Like, follow, subscribe. Please comment. It really helps us out. Tweet at us. Exactly. Thanks a lot, everybody. Have a great day. Bye.